Extra time, Immaculate Grid, Grid 148 for Monday, the 28th of August. This is the bonus show for Generations, talking about my sports generations. So new episode dropped on Saturday where Steve and I discuss instant replay and how instant replay has changed over the years and how it's changed, how we've consumed the game, how we enjoy the game, how we watch the game. So check that out. It's a good episode, but this is Immaculate Grid. So let's just jump right in. Columns left to right, we've got the Arizona Diamondbacks on the left. We have Gold Glove in the middle. And the right-hand side, we have a Cy Young winner. We always like those achievements. Then top to bottom on the rows, we have Detroit Rock City, Le Tigre, the Tigers, the Clevelands. And in the bottom, we have the Oakland Athletics. So let's go ahead and tackle the first two columns first, and we will do the last column, Cy Young, last. And that's kind of the opposite of how we normally do the show, but we've got some notes there, and we've got a highlight of a particular player. So for that top left-hand square, we've got Arizona Diamondbacks and Detroit Rock City. We've got Luis Gonzalez, of course, Gonzalez left the Cubs went to Detroit and then would become an Arizona. And we've talked about him and featured him and that 50 plus home run season that he had. And whenever you're looking at each of the daily podcasts, we've changed the descriptions to make it easier for you to find the teams and topics that we talk about. So we place that now at the top and you don't have to press more. You'll be able to see that. So for previous ones to be able to see who we talk about you're gonna you're gonna have to press on the more button we apologize for that it makes it a little bit harder to find but you can always look at the graphic because each day's graphic is actually representative of that day's grid so hopefully that's helpful but we've talked about and highlighted luis gonzalez before then top middle square we have gold glove and detroit we have lou whitaker 19 percent, and we featured lou whitaker and talked about him quite a bit Well, we actually featured an episode on him and how we believe he should be in the Hall of Fame and we gave his Hall of Fame credentials. Then in the left-hand side middle row, we have Arizona and the Clevelands. So we went Greg Swindell here, that was 1%. And then Gold Glove in the Clevelands, we went Sandy Alomar Jr. So we were absolutely going for scarcity score here, 5%. Then the bottom left-hand square, we for the Arizonas and the A's, we were just trying to flex Bobby Crosby. Bobby Crosby had that amazing rookie of the year and then kind of never really led or held up to those same expectations, but 0.4% here. And then in the bottom middle, bottom middle column, we have Gold Glove and A's, and we went Eric Chavez at 22%. So let's get into the Cy Youngs because we've got this is where we've got the notes for today. So for Cy Young in Detroit, the top right hand square, we went Denny McLean, last guy to win 30 games, won 31 games the year of the pitcher in 1968. Now McLean, that year that he won 31 games, he would actually win Cy Young and MVP. And so he would actually go back to back Cy Young in 68 and 69. But we went McLean here, 13%. 
But if you're moving forward, so after McLean, the next Detroit Tiger to win the Cy Young is Willie Hernandez in 1984. And we have excruciatingly covered that on previous episodes. So go look for that. But he also won MVP that year. And we don't disagree that he could have been or should have been, because he was, of course, the Cy. But there were plenty of MVP candidates, Mattingly, Eddie Murray, Tony Armas. So it's a little bit of a travesty that he was received both. And McLean's MVP and Cy Young year, McLean was pretty dominant. So you don't really have a whole lot of gripes there. Also, it was the year of the pitcher, and you know offenses were down. But we went McLean here 13%. Check out that episode on Willie Hernandez. Then for the Clevelands and Cy Young, we went Gaylord Perry here, 6%. That's in 1972. And that is the first year after the Giants had traded him. And they traded him for Bobkiss. They traded him for a guy who was a hard thrower, and that was about it. He wasn't that great, and he would spend a few more seasons in the league and pretty much dunk. And then Perry would only pitch for another like 14 years, 15 years. That's all. And win two Cy Youngs. So he would win one with the Clevelands. And then, strangely enough, he won one with the San Diego Padres. But other guys that qualified here were Sabathia in 2007, Cliff Lee in 08, Corey Kluber did it twice in 14 and 17, and then most recently Shane Bieber did it in the COVID year of 2020. Then the bottom right-hand square, we have Cy Young and A's, so we went Bob Welch here, 6%. Your other options were Vita Blue, so Vita Blue in 1971, he would win MVP and Cy Young that year. But one of the other things about that is he would be second in pitching war that year, 8.5. But this is one of the idiosyncrasies, one of the anomalies of war. Wilbur Wood would actually have a higher war of 11 over Vita Blue. And it's kind of one of these weird things because everything is relative to the rest of the league and relative to your park that you play in. And so because of that, kind of like Mike Miner in 2019, go find that episode. We detail that out for you as well. But Wilbur Wood would have a war of 11, but finish like fourth or fifth in Cy Young that year, as he should have. But this is where war can kind of screw things up a little bit and make things look a certain way when maybe they aren't. Even though that blue led the league in ERA, blue led the league in, in, in excuse me, in wins. I mean, his season was dominant. But just the anomaly of how war looks, blue had more strikeouts. And uh, Wood would actually come out with a higher war that year. So that's kind of one of the weird things that can happen with war because everything is relative. Catfish Hunter, 1974, he would win Cy Young. And the very next year, he would actually finish Cy Young too. And he was in a very close race with Jim Palmer the following year. But the following year, he was a Yankee. So he went to the Yankees in 75. And uh, he and Jim Palmer would just have just crazy years in 75. 
Bob Welch did it in 90, so that's who we went with, again, 6%. And then Eckersley, he also had a Psy MVP double in 1992. And then Barry Zito in 2002 also did it. And to make sure that everybody realizes, often people think that Raleigh Fingers won a Cy Young with the A's, but he did not. It was actually after he had left and gone to Milwaukee, and then he did the double, the Cy Young and MVP in 80, the strike sorting season of 81. And we detailed that out on a previous episode and talk about how eh, Ricky probably should have won MVP that year. So that is the grid, but we want to highlight a player, and it's Bob Welch. And he was a longtime Dodger, spent 10 years with the Dodgers, eight years with, with Oakland. He was a rookie in 1978. His last season was 1994. And we hated Bob Welch. Bob Welch just terrorized the Giants. In 17 seasons, he would have a, be an all-star twice. He won the Cy Young in 1990. And he's a two-time World Series winner. So he was actually traded from the Dodgers to the A's. And here's the kind of weird deal. This was actually a three-team trade. So the Dodgers would send Welch and Matt Young to the A's. And they would send Jack Savage to the Mets. Savage, don't even bother waking him up. The guy basically didn't, you know, made a short appearance and was gone. The A's would send shortstop Alfredo Griffin and short, uh, not shortstop, pitcher Jay Howell to the Dodgers. And then the A's would also send Kevin Tappany and Wally Whitehurst to the Mets. And then the Mets would send Jesse Orozco to the Dodgers. Now, basically, this was just a, a mishmash, you know, poo-poo platter of players. But of note, Welch would pitch seven seasons with the A's. Orozco would only pitch one season for the Dodgers, and then he would go on and pitch for a bunch of other teams. Alfredo and Jay Howell would spend some time to stay with the Dodgers. And then Tappany would go to the Mets, but Tappany would be part of the deal that would actually go from the Mets to the Twins to bring Frank Viola to the Mets. And Tappany was part of the play in the World Series against the Braves. And we just looked at that the other day, watched the replay where ball is, goes past, squirts past third base from left field. Tappany picks up the ball, fires at the first, and then Herbeck basically forces Ron Gant off the bag and they call him out. So, so Google Kent Herbeck, Ron Gant, World Series game three, you'll find it. It is, it, I totally forgot about the play, but as soon as I saw it, I, I remembered it like it was yesterday. And it's just it's just a crazy smart play by Herbeck, but it's pretty low rent. Let's just call it what it is. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how Welch got to the A's and kind of the downstream things that came out of it. Of those two World Series, he actually appeared or played or his teams played in four. So his teams lost to the Yankees in 78. He did not appear in that series. In 81, they beat the Yankees, and uh, he actually would start a game, give up two runs, and zero inning pitch. So he'd actually get pulled. 89, they beat the Giants. He didn't, he didn't appear. He didn't pitch. And then in 90 against the Reds, he started one game. He went 7.1 innings, gave up four runs, had a no decision. 
For his career, he was 211 and 146. And this is one of those things where I think he was a solid pitcher, but he's a benefit of being on some really good teams. His career ERA is 3.47, decent. He had 3,092 innings pitched, 1,969 Ks. His ERA plus 106, 6% better than average. We, you know, featured our, one of our favorite pitchers, Mike Kruko, yesterday. You know, Welch and Kruko, I don't know if there's that much difference. Just that Welch was on better teams and Kruk wasn't. Kruk was on a lot of bad teams. And here's the telltale, in my opinion. Bob Welch's FIP was 3.71. So, you know, he was a little bit lucky. Whereas with Kruko, his FIP was lower than his ERA. So that means, you know, when your FIP is higher, you're fielding independent pitching. That means, you know, you're, you're, you're giving up some stuff. But if your ERA is lower, that means you've got a pretty good defense behind you and you've got some luck going your way. And if it's the opposite direction, you know, that means you're you're probably unlucky. Things are weird. Things are happening on the field. Base hits are falling that maybe they shouldn't. His whip, whip 1.27, it's okay. And he had a career of 1.9 Ks to walk. So it's all right. 1990, he goes Cy Young 1. And he's war seven. So there's seven players to win to receive votes. He was seventh in war at 2.9. The big thing was he was 27 and six. So he had the most wins, basically. And since that's the second most wins since Denny McLean's 31. He had a 295 ERA, 238 innings pitched, 127 Ks. He had an ERA plus of 125. So not bad. Pretty good. Very good. But his FIP was 4.19. So it kind of shows you that he had a really good defense behind him and he had a lot of good luck going for him. And when you're when you're playing and when you're pitching ahead in games, you know, that's a that's a much better situation to be in. And it just creates a lot of different scenarios in baseball when you're up. And his whip was pretty much where it was for his career, 1.223. And his actually K's per walks was down 1.65 Ks per walks for him that year. But the guy that should have won, Roger Clemens, he had double the war than anybody else that year, 10.6. He went 21 and six, led the league in ERA at 193 and ERA plus at 211. And he had, of the, of the players receiving votes, he led them all in Ks with 209. I mean, his season was just far superior. But 1990, A's go to the World Series. They would lose, of course, to the Reds. But 27 wins on a good team. And he was probably a little bit better than Stewart was that year. He gets the, uh, he gets the sigh. And he, for his career, he had 11 seasons of 11 wins or more. So pretty solid. But... You know, Bob Welch, solid. Mike Kruko, solid. Welch was on a lot better teams than Kruko. And if you switch places, I think Kruko does as well, if not better, than uh, than Welch. I think there's a lot has to do with, you know, being on the right team at the right time. That's a grid for today. It is. Extra time, Immaculate Grid. 
This was grid 148 on Monday, the 28th of August. This is the bonus show for Generations, talking about my sports generations. This show drops every night at 9 p.m. Pacific. Big show, Saturdays at noon. It's Jonathan. We'll see you. Cheers.